G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Good, thanks, Rowan. And yourself? Yeah, going real well this week, and oh, excited to be on the podcast again, and excited for today's episode, which we've called Ease Agitation with Bilateral Stimulation. So, Dad, it's a particularly fun one to say this week, and we did have a, a good bit of fun off air coming up with the name, but what are we going to be talking about in today's podcast? Okay, today we're going to be talking about one of the niftiest strategies that I've come across in any kind of therapy whatsoever that we use as an adjunct for therapy, but people can also use it themselves outside of therapy for even things like pain, distress reactions, anxiety in different ways. There's a particular technique that we can use for about five or ten minutes that can reduce our arousal levels without even having to put much active effort into it. So when people respond to this technique, and many people do, I would find at least 50% of my clients who I use this with experience real benefit from it and keep on using it for months after we've introduced it. There are not that many therapy techniques, single therapy techniques that people keep on using into the future. Even a year later, people spontaneously use it. But this is so helpful in easing agitation or reducing distress, reducing arousal, it's quite simple and practical, so we're going to be talking about this particular approach that we refer to as bilateral stimulation. What well, is a fascinating topic, bilateral stimulation, and it relates to EMDR as well, which, you know, it's a toll can of worms in itself, Dad, so we'll mainly be focusing on the bilateral stimulation side of things today. But I find it fascinating, as you say, like it's... it's this thing that almost requires no effort. Like I remember the first time I came across it and for, you know, many years subsequent, almost thought it was magic in a way in terms, of, you know, like all it is is literally like, as we'll be referring to it today, basically clicks in an ear and uh, you can access it through an app, which will put all of the, the details for this app and everything else that we speak about today up on the episode page for today, which you can access at psychspeels.com.au. So feel free to check out that website for all the resources. But basically, yeah, you, you put your headphones in, you hear your clicks in the ear and you just basically feel your entire perspective change, you know, for lack of a better term, in front of your eyes. It's just you literally experience that perspective change over time. It really is bizarre for somebody who doesn't really know what's going on, Dad. Yes, well, this idea of bilateral stimulation. Now, what it means is stimulating one side of the brain and then the other. And it can be with a stimulus like clicks. Click, click, click. One side and then the other alternating. Now, anything which stimulates one side of our body or one side of our brain and then the other, it could be moving our eyes from left to right. It could be tapping ourselves on the shoulder, the left and right shoulder in turn. It could be someone tapping our hands, the left and right hand alternating. It could be any kind of stimulation, but it's very practical to use an auditory stimulation. So as you say, have earphones connected to an app on our phone called the Anxiety Release App. And that delivers the sound to each ear. And I should say as well, before going further, this is demonstrated in detail in a video that we'll have a link to on the podcast page. So there's a 10-minute demonstration in this video with a colleague, Shelley, demonstrating how we introduce this particular method or this practical technique to a client. 
very much the same kind of rationale and how we explain it. So I really suggest that if people are interested in this technique, to access that video that explains it further. But we'll also talk about it now, how it works. Well, certainly, and as I said, we'll put the link to that video up on the episode page for today at psychspeels.com.au. But it's interesting, like, I think that video has been one of the most popular on our website, Dad. It's been accessed, you know, thousands of times by people all over the world. And, and what that suggests is that there is an appetite for exactly, you know, this technique, which it's funny, even sort of listening to you there, like, I'm almost mindful of, you know, like, how are we sort of explaining this thing? And, you know, in some ways, like, to me, it's really hard to explain. Like, basically, it's, you know, it's clicks or, you know, as you say, it can be different stimulus. But it basically goes in one ear after the other and it just changes your view on things. Like, is that almost sort of how you'd see it? Like, I suppose, what is actually going on, like, when the clicks are happening to allow for that reprocessing? Like, maybe it's not necessarily 100% known. You know, as I said, it was a little bit of magic. But do we know actually what's happening? Okay, look, this is where I will give a little bit of background about EMDR, a particular therapy approach or technique that it's related to. So EMDR is eye movement desensitisation and reprocessing. We use that in our practice as a main trauma therapy technique. And how that works is people hold in mind an image of a particular traumatic experience, a memory, it might be of a car accident or an assault or a very challenging or life-threatening situation that people feel triggered when they have this picture or image come into their mind. And more typically, the bilateral stimulation that we use when people hold this image in mind is the person shifting their eyes from left to right. Often this is with the therapist sitting in front of the person, waving their fingers back and forth. The client follows the therapist's fingers across the midline, if you like, so they're looking left and right, whilst they have this image in mind. And remarkably, it seems to take some of the heat out of the image and out of the feelings. People's anxiety levels tend to come down. They tend to come up with other kind of thoughts or memories that pop into their mind, including over time more positive thoughts and memories come and replace the more distressing images in their mind. Now, this technique... EMDR has been around for decades now and has all sorts of research behind it. We've actually done research and presented at conferences on this as well. And often with trauma reactions or trauma memories which have a strong visual element, we think often the visual EMDR can help. But any kind of bilateral stimulation can reduce our arousal levels, including these alternating clicks in the ears. Now, it's going to be more than just distraction. People might think, oh, yes, well, if your mind is on something else like clicks or your eyes moving back and forth seeing things, maybe you're distracted a bit from, say, a trauma memory or a picture so it doesn't have quite the same impact. But no, things shift more than that. It's the way that people's arousal level comes down that we believe that the bilateral stimulation of whatever sort reduces activity in the parts of the brain that mediate arousal. So basically the limbic system and the amygdala. So these parts of the brain that are responsible for that fight and flight response, that sympathetic nervous system response, it seems to lower that arousal, reduce activity around the limbic system, if you like. So there's a settling kind of effect whilst people have, say, distressing picture or thought or worry in mind. So it's combining the picture or the memory or the distressing thought, worry, with a lowered arousal level that seems to 
have a more physiological basis in how that works, that lowering of arousal. And when people's arousal lowers, they're more likely to be able to process information in a different kind of way. And we also think there's something about the bilateral method that probably helps information processing in some other way. But certainly it seems to be reducing this sense of threat or danger. It has a way of dialing down a perception of threat or danger, which in turn helps people perceive something differently. And so often we use this for trauma reactions, but it also can be used for pain, as we've talked about in a previous podcast with Mark Grant, who helped develop this method and the research that goes with it. And we have an earlier pain podcast on that. But also how we're talking about it today is using this technique with various kinds of stress or worry. And it is fascinating how you describe that. And of course, the process itself is absolutely fascinating. And the way that I almost think about this, and it probably relates a little bit more to EMDR, but I think it's, you know, it's a similar notion. It certainly relates to what we're talking about today. But the way that I almost think about this is to, I suppose, highlight this reprocessing notion that goes on. Like, it can be hard to get your head around in some ways. But to me, like, the way that I think about it, in terms of keeping this picture in mind, like, for example, you might have a, whether it be a fear or an anxiety or a stressor, and let's say that is represented by a ghost, just to sort of put an arbitrary thing on it. So you might have a picture in your mind of a ghost and it's a scary ghost and, you know, it's, it's translucent and it doesn't necessarily look, you know, alive and all this sort of stuff. But then when you hold that image in your mind, in some kind of abstract way, that image of a ghost almost turns into that like stereotype person with a sheet over their head and two eye holes cut out of it. So it still represents a ghost. It's not as if that you're seeing something different, but it's just that the way that you see it it almost takes, whether it be some of the detail out of it or some of the heat out of it, or it just allows you to view it in a way that, whether it be more simple or, yeah, as I say, like it just helps you to view it in a new way that maybe doesn't bring up so many fears that are negative, like, for example, anxiety or, or fear or stress. Like It allows us just to, for example, look at it as it is a little bit more without so much of the emotion involved. Yes, and it's interesting that you use that particular example because I can think of an example of using EMDR with someone who'd been traumatised by an older family member and went back to certain traumatic memories, seeing this person as a monster, and following EMDR therapy, including the bilateral stimulation, the visual one in this case, then came to see that person transformed more into a pathetic old man who could no longer hurt them in any way whatsoever, and their anxiety about that memory just dropped away. Just a very different way of remembering a past event when earlier on had been young in certain threatening situations, but now as a strong adult could see that this other person posed no threat to them any further and the impact, the heat of that trauma memory dropped away. But we can use some of this principle of bilateral stimulation for, dare I say, somewhat more simple things that still have an impact on us, that are still distressing like a worry or a concern or looking ahead to some situation that's about to come up that we're distressed about or nervous about and worried about how that will go or thinking back to a past event where something went poorly, it turned out very badly for us in some way and we kind of can't get it out of our head in the way that we'd wish to or reduce our distress about it. It can help with things like that. Whenever we think of a particular situation 
associated with worry or distress, if we combine that image in our mind with the thoughts that go with it, that image with the bilateral stimulation, it'll tend to dial down our reactivity. And not only do we feel less distressed about the picture, it does tend to transform in the direction that you described. Something shifts in the picture as well, often. And so then, like using, for example, this anxiety release app, which we will put the link up for, and of course developed by Mark Grant, a good friend of the podcast who, who we did interview. And like when, for example, going through the process of using that, you're keeping the picture in mind, how much of it is, for example, just focusing on the picture and, you know, like that's, for example, the only conscious thought that we have is looking at that picture. How much of it is almost, for example, that like meta-analysis of like, are you then encouraged to, for example, observe how you see that picture and almost like check in whether it's changed every few seconds or like what's the process of, for example, holding that picture in mind, which, you know, is a little bit kind of less simple than it seems on the surface, it seems to me. Okay, well, I'll mention the instructions and that'll give an idea of how this works with a picture. Just say one client I saw had a very conflict-ridden family and often the client's distress would peak around Christmas time, for example, when that would be the main time of the year that family members might get together and it often ended up in a very distressing, difficult situation for this particular person. So what we would do with bilateral stimulation is have the person envisage this event. In this case, it might be people sitting around the table and where whoever might sit and allow it to be an uncomfortable image as it likely would be in everyday life, what the person's anticipating. But how we would instruct the person to maybe look to process this event, well, we would do it in a therapy session here, but what the person could do at home is to find a quiet place. Then basically have an open mind as to what's going to happen. Put in the earphones, have the anxiety release app, put on the track, and the idea is to let whatever happens, happen. So basically, the person can allow themselves to respond in whatever way. There's nothing that they need try to do. There's nothing that they need to focus on. Just start off with the image of the worrying situation and... Let whatever happens, happen. Then if the person notices what they notice, for example, they might put on the clicks for about a minute at first. Just notice if something shifts. There might be a different feeling in the person's body. The picture might shift in some way. Their attention might be drawn to something else. They might have another thought that pops into their mind. It could be a sensation, a thought, a feeling. Something can shift or the person's perspective on the situation in whatever way it can shift. Just notice that. If the person notices what they notice, whatever seemed to shift, then maybe pay attention to that shift for another minute or so. Again, put on the app for another minute or it might be 30 seconds, something like that. Or sometimes people might have an initial image in mind and just let the app keep on running, even for several minutes or five minutes and let things unfold in whatever way they will. But to take this particular example, after about half a minute or a bit longer, maybe a minute, the client started to chuckle. A different kind of response, not what expected. And then the person's got a smile on their face and she's chuckling a little bit and afterwards, 
stop the clicks for a minute and ask, well, what went through your mind now? And she said, well, it's just laughable what happens in our family. It's ridiculous this person reacts like that and this one does this and then I tend to react like this. And just seeing it in quite a different way, still observing some of the interactions that might happen, but a very different take on it. It's like it had taken some of the heat of the anxiety and distress out of the situation. And after the person did that, say, a couple more times, processing it a little bit further, again, more clicks for another minute or half a minute, basically after a few times of doing that, so it's only a period of about maybe three, four tops, five minutes. Then this young lady was describing to me how she thought she could handle that situation differently. She didn't try to think of that. It just kind of popped into her head when she could take distance from the situation, take heat out of it. So that's one example that was very memorable for me because it was one of the earlier times I used the app for that purpose because we also use it for pain, as described in the earlier podcast. We can use it for even trauma memories to some extent. It's one of the first times I used it for a forthcoming event. And quite frankly, the impact in that situation was quite magical. Well, that is so interesting. I remember, I think, after the first time, so you showed me, Dad, and I used it. I reckon I had the exact same response in terms of just, I remember cracking up laughing and finding it just the funniest thing ever. And I can't actually remember, you know, exactly what the kind of thought process behind it was. But I just remember howling with laughter. I reckon it happened to one of, you know, my sisters as well. Similar response, just cracked up laughing. But again, like it, to me, it just highlighted this involuntary notion behind it all in terms of, you know, it's almost like there's all this stuff going on in the background of your brain and it's all, you know, it's working in there and, you know, it's not necessarily conscious, but it is still working. And well, that was a, a great example that you used Dad, there in terms of how people can use the app and the bilateral stimulation. I wonder if you've got any other examples of how people can use it and get benefit from it. Okay, so a couple of main ones. One is thinking of a past distressing event. So when we remember a past event which turned out very poorly, it might have been like a perceived major failure or something that went wrong, something was very difficult to deal with, then we can get lingering, like trauma memories in a way, but just say negative memories that are triggered. And there'll be thoughts and feelings and pictures that go with that. Again, letting the picture be in mind, a picture of the situation itself, who was there, the context, Maybe something about what feelings you had in your body at the time or what you notice in your body now with the image in mind, the memory in mind. And maybe there might be a thought that passes through your mind as well, but particularly focusing on the visual image and maybe an uncomfortable feeling or emotion, maybe some uncomfortable sensations in your body. Then again, putting on the clicks at first for maybe about a minute. Now, people could let it run for a few minutes if they rather it that way, just doing it continuously. But I often suggest that people use it for a minute and, again, just be open to whatever happens. Let whatever happens happen while having this image in mind. And then notice what you notice. Notice if something shifts. It might be the image fades a little bit. Or it might be you notice something else that was happening at the time that was possibly even less distressing or it might have been potentially more distressing you just let whatever happens happen and go with it and just trust in the processing of it now this can be something where people can be more confident in a therapy session itself if it's some major past trauma but if people are looking to explore this and they have some sense that look I think I might be able to manage with that situation I'm ready to explore that kind of image and see how that goes then I think maybe looking to use this with 
maybe a moderately distressing event at first, maybe not picking the most overwhelming experience that someone's had, just to see how the method goes. But basically, some past experience that was very difficult, and notice what you notice and see if something shifts in your feelings and reactions. Then notice that, then the clicks for a bit longer, and then see how things unfold. Often people will notice that their arousal level will come down and they'll experience the image or picture a little bit differently. It won't trigger quite the same feelings quite as intensely. Well, I do agree with that in terms of the times that I've used it, Dad. And and I must admit, like, the main time that I sort of use it these days is, like, when you're tossing and turning in bed, like, you know, every so often you have that night where you just can't sleep and, you know, you're ruminating a little bit on something, and that's when it is so good just to, you know, chuck it on and... Even, you know, there's been times where you're sort of feeling a bit crook during the night, Dad, and you put it on and it just has a way of, you know, diffusing the agitation as we uh, spoke about at the start of the podcast. But, like, it is just such a, a fascinating tool to have in your arsenal, I suppose. And, you know, as you say, like, I think there's so many benefits to having it in therapy, but also making use of it outside of therapy. Like, as you say, like, it is, I think, something that people come back to every so often but even just knowing that you have it there you know it's not necessarily something you need to use every day or you know even every week sort of thing like just when you come across those times when you are a little bit more distressed and you know you don't necessarily have the option of seeing a therapist at that time if it is for example late at night and everyone else is in bed and all this sort of stuff it is just something that you can turn to and if you have had that practice and used it a little bit well then it does make it easier a a little bit over time once you I suppose learn to observe and practice yourself observing yourself if that makes sense it it does get a little bit easier and look it's just something I'm constantly fascinated by dad it's one of those things like you know never studied psychology but you come across these things every so often like you know bilateral stimulation EMDR this sort of thing where it just completely blows your mind in a way in terms you know it's this element of magic in a way and I think bilateral stimulation is something that it certainly seems that to yeah someone like me who hasn't done a whole lot of learning about it. Yes I like that idea that you mentioned there of reducing maybe rumination or thinking in the evening and I'll mention one other example now. If people are studying for some major exams coming up And that's one reason why people seek therapy at times, that they're agitated about an exam coming up. So it's a worry in itself about whether they pass or fail. But also people's minds can be very active after studying. It can be hard to switch off. Well, bilateral stimulation can work very well in that situation in a couple of different ways. One is thinking ahead to, say, the exam itself. The person might see themselves in the examination room, In doing so, they might experience some discomfort in their body as they imagine themselves being there, allowing that to be there. Again, putting on the app, earphones in, letting whatever happens happen, notice what you notice. And again, often people will have a little bit of a different experience of that image if they've been using the app for a while. But also the other benefit is it can wind down or reduce people's mental activity in the evening. So if someone's been pushing themselves, they've been studying hard, there's that thinking going on, maybe in the evening, because they might have to study in the evenings as well at times, it's a great way often, for many people I've found, to reduce that mental activity. Now, so it doesn't just reduce the arousal levels, it can also reduce the thoughts that go with it, which is good preparation in the evening for letting go and sleep. So that situation, it's worthwhile people winding up 
well before bed if they can anyway, not looking to have your mind filled with concerns or study or some other activity right till bedtime. But as part of a pre-sleep routine or finishing off that activity of studying, I know that a number of people have used that well to reduce their thinking, but it's also tended to take some of the anxiety out of the exam itself, another specific situation. Well, I think that's such a, a great point, Dad, in terms of, like, you know, as you say, like, there's going to be people who seek therapy for exam stress, and that's so totally understandable in, in so many situations. But at the same time, like, exam stress is a part of life as well. And, and to me, that's one of the things about, like, bilateral stimulation. Like, as I say, like, I, I probably don't use it as much as I should. I'll, I'll put my hand up and swear this podcast is good, Dad. I'll, I'll probably get back to it a little bit more. But that whole thing of, you know, like, life's going to throw stresses at us anyway. And, like, one thing I've come across recently is, I suppose this whole notion of, you know, entrepreneurs and like say business owners and, you know, billionaires and all this sort of stuff, dad, like they have so many deliberate practices that, you know, 21 year old me would have probably called contrived in a way. But there's people like, for example, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits. I think Hal Elrod wrote My Miracle Morning. James Whitaker has a whole bunch of stuff on this topic. It's about installing deliberate practices that are going to help you cope with the stresses of the day. And it seems to me that people who, you know, make a lot of money in society, like that's a, you know, one variable that is, of course, not the be all and end all. But at the same time, there's maybe a level of conscientiousness with that subgroup of people. And it seems to me that part of that conscientiousness, part of what they're able to leverage in terms of their, I suppose, personality strengths is the ability to create these deliberate practices throughout their day. And whether it be morning routines, evening routines, I think the more that you can have these deliberate practices, as I say, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not necessarily walking the walk with this sort of stuff, but I suppose as I get older, you know, it becomes a little bit more evident to me the benefit of installing some of these deliberate practices and like bilateral stimulation, like it just seems like such a, a gimme in a way in terms of, you know, it's around 10 bucks, I think, the app, like it's inexpensive relatively. And just to have that there, even as something that you know that you've got up your sleeve and, and can turn to if you want to, like it's it just, you know, it's a, it's a gimme. It's, you know, it's a two-foot putt, as I'd call it, Dad, something that uh, hopefully you don't miss too many of. Yes, it's a very good example, and sadly I did miss a couple of two-feet putts about a week <laughs> ago. But anyway, I look to recover on that oh, score. Mate, you're getting hole-in-ones. You don't need the putter. <laughs> okay, well, maybe I over-relaxed after that or something <laughs> like that, but... Anyway, one of the things to mention finally as well is one of the terrific things about this app is people can also mention it to family members or others. If you know people are experiencing pain in particular, physical pain, it can be very, very helpful for that, as described in our earlier podcast with Mark Grant. But when you mentioned me using it with family members, yes, that's one of the advantages of this. It's not like a therapy technique which a psychologist is never meant to use with family members like guinea pigs kind of thing. It's more just something helpful that we can use to have an impact on our own brain and our own arousal levels, our own reactions. So that's one thing I like about it. It's kind of like a separate little nifty strategy or device. Anyone can access it and explore how it goes. And hopefully with our explanation here and in that demonstration video, then people will be able to access that app and trial it out in some way, not having to be introduced to that by a therapist. It's just readily available. And on the app itself, 
Mark Grant has written a number of instructions and different information also about anxiety and different ways of using the app, but certainly would recommend it to, well, anyone really, because most of us are going to face some kind of situations where we experience either physical pain that it was originally used for or agitation, arousal of whatever sort to look to dial that down. Very nifty. Absolutely. And, and look, it's just come to mind. I haven't really thought it through, but like, I'm, I'm pretty confident with it. I want to make a prediction, Dad. I reckon in 10 years' time, in elite sport, you will see almost everyone using this sort of stuff or at least whatever the modern equivalent technology at the time is. Like It's one of those things that I think sport is just cottoning on to in terms of maybe being proactive with some of these practices too. Like This is one of those ones that I just see so much benefit in that I, you know, I can't see why it wouldn't get adopted and you know become ubiquitous in sport you just think you know dealing with the the pressures of performance and so many things like that it it just would be brilliant for that and so yeah so as we said at the start we'll put all the uh resources for today's episode up at psychspiels.com.au and as, as we've mentioned throughout the podcast like mark grant is someone who obviously developed this app that we've been speaking about he has his book Change your brain, change your pain, which we'll put the link up for on that page. And look, we'll just mention as well, like we're not affiliated with Mark Grant in any way. We just came across his stuff and think he does really good things. So we've got the episode there with Mark Grant too, and we will put up links to his stuff. I know he's got a few websites and a range of resources and everything that he puts out there too. But Thanks for chatting with me about all this, Dad. It's been a bit of a left field one in terms of, I think it's been a good little mini-series we've done over the last couple of weeks in terms of alternatives to therapy or or things that we can almost add to our toolkit as well as therapy. But thanks for chatting with me about all of this today. I'll look forward to the next one. Good, thanks, Ron. We hope other people find it as helpful as it's been for our family and clients.